the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our text is taken from John chapter 14, verses 15 to 26. We're going to start a short series on the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And uh, we're going to talk about the foundational um, pillars of what it means for the Holy Spirit to take charge of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The message this morning is from desire to obedience. You know, this corona pandemic has brought the best and the worst in all of us. Uh, no one in their right minds will say, let's have this virus go on. I think we all want it over with. I think we want to destroy it. We want to kill it. We want to go back to our normal way of living. But in order to do it, we have to adhere uh, to some of the most drastic changes being imposed upon us, rules uh, being brought upon us to follow. The interesting about the interesting thing about this current pandemic crisis is that it brings to light the undeniable conflict between our desire to avoid the spread of the virus and kill it versus obeying the rules being imposed upon us. I'm not here to talk about where you land on that discussion. I merely want to highlight a very obvious trait of, from, of all of us as fallen human beings, and that is we struggle with taking our desire to a point of obedience. In fact, that's true with fallen humanity. I heard on the news that there's a new peace treaty between the state of Israel and the Arab states. And everybody was happy about that. And, and I said to myself, I'm an old man now. And ever since I was a child, I've been hearing these treaties of peace. And they keep on falling apart. They tried to go to the negotiating table many times before, and it always seemed to fail. Although both parties in the conflict desire peace, they struggle to obey the rules agreed upon to govern that peace. There seems to be a great deal of desire for peace, but that desire does not translate into obedience to the rules that will ultimately govern the peace process. And so it turns out everything falls apart. There's a huge divide between desire and obedience, and it's true with humanity. We can desire something, but unless that desire leads to obedience to that which is desired, there will be no resolution, there will be no fulfillment. I remember a commercial back in the 80s about this group of athletes, you know, working so hard to prepare for a game. They're sweating, they're lifting weights, they're running, and then the camera pans 
into this group of, of people drinking ice-cold soft drink. And, and then the camera moves again, and these guys who are working hard are looking at these guys who are drinking that ice-cold drink. And then the next scene in the commercial, we see the athletes doing the same thing. And then at the caption at the very bottom of the, the screen, it says, Obey your thirst. At some point in our lives, we need to take that desire that we have and bring it to a point of obedience. That is true with Life in general, and that's most certainly true with our relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. It is possible to have a desire for God and not to take that desire to a point of obedience. So we ended up living unfulfilled lives, lives that we designed for ourselves, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Whether we think our life is working or not, if we live our lives independent of God's commands and there's no obedience to God, there can be no lasting fulfillment. Why is there so many of us struggle when it comes to obeying God? And that's the question we really need to answer. If we're honest with ourselves, we can all agree in this room that obeying God is not an easy thing to do. Can I hear an amen on that one? Especially when obedience has a very negative connotation in our society. When people hear the word obedience, many things come into mind. People think that it's negative because it means, obedience means subservient instead of leadership. Being subservient to someone instead of leading someone. It's negative because when you talk about obedience, it means it usually means in our society you don't stand up or think for yourself. You just follow the crowd. It also means that obedience uh, places us in a predicament where someone is always higher than us. And in a very individualistic society, in a society that thrives with individualism and pride of self-accomplishment, the word obedience, or if you want to substitute obedience with submission, has a very negative connotation. But when it applies to our relationship with God, it takes on a completely different meaning. Jesus was obedient to God, but he was the greatest leader of men that ever walked the earth. To be obedient to God means it's true. We don't have to stand for ourselves, but we believe that God will stand for us. And of course, to obey God is to recognize the power of God in our lives. So loved ones, desire must find its way toward obedience to God. Jesus taught his disciples this principle very, very clearly when he said, these words in John chapter 14, and I'm going to read it to you. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, 
for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. On that day, you will realize that I am in, the, in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while I'm still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Jesus taught his disciples the power of taking their desire to a point of obedience. Jesus also knew how difficult this will be. And so he promised them the Holy Spirit. So this is not an enterprise that we do on our own. If we try to, to bring our desire for God to a point of obedience to God, we will not succeed because Jesus explicitly says, you will only be able to do this when the Spirit of God has come upon you. And so the ministry of the Holy Spirit then and the ministry of the Holy Spirit now is to bring our desire for God to a point of obedience to God. And I'd like to give you a few thoughts from this passage about the difference between mere desire and obedience to God. They have to do with the three critical aspects of our faith. And I'll mention them right now. The three critical aspects of our faith in which obedience uh, to God is driven by the Holy Spirit has to do with three things. Worship, knowledge, and fellowship. Maybe you want to jot that down if you're not taking notes. We have an outline if you're following the sermon with the notes. Worship, knowledge, and fellowship. Let's talk about worship. Here's the first thought. Desire for God has many pursuits. Obedience has only one passion. And that passion is to truly worship God. Look at verse 15 again. It says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Jesus was giving the condition for loving God truthfully. Okay? For loving God truthfully. He says, if you desire me, if you want me, if you're affectionate towards me, obey what I command. And all that desire that you have for me will prove your love. Worship is the purpose of obedience. We obey God because we want to worship God truthfully. There could be no real worship, true worship, without real obedience to God. You and I can have a desire for God this morning. I'm sure we all have a desire for God, but that desire has to translate into obedience to God in order for that passion to take place, that fruit that the Spirit will bring out in us in order for our worship to be very truthful. Worship is not just merely singing about 
the things of God. It's not about singing these songs of praise. It's part of worship. You could be sure. It's, it's more than just offering uh, the offering of sacrificial activities. The heart of worship is really obedience to the Word of Christ, obedience to God in every level of life. Obedience to God was one of the biggest struggles I've had as a Christian. I'm just being honest with you, okay? I'm not going to use anybody as an illustration. It's hard for me. But all the, the disobediences that I had done in my life, again, you know, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Right. All right? All of my acts of disobedience towards God, of course, I repented of them and, and, and picked myself up and, and, and then walking the walk and all of that through that ordeal. God has enough love for us to lift us up. Amen? Okay, but I recognize that in, in, in the times, in the dark moments of my life where I was disobeying God, the desire for God has never left. It's always been there. That's true for me, and I could most certainly tell you it's true for you. You see, the reason why I was able to get to that point wherein I disobeyed God and really never thought about it was because I knew in my heart I desired God. But that desire has never translated into obedience properly. You know what I did? Again, this is a confession. Those of you who are watching my live stream, you're hearing it for the first time. I used to weaponize the grace of God. You know what I mean by that? I weaponized the grace of God by saying this to myself. Yeah, I'm not supposed to do that, but uh, the grace of God is big enough for me to be covered by it. I don't have to obey what God says. God loves me, and His grace is sufficient for me. To be sure, God is gracious. Amen? To be sure, God forgives. To be sure, God cleanses. But when we take on that attitude, our worship dies. Okay? I come to church, and I can't even lift up my hand. Wait a minute, in the inside of me, I desire God. And yet when it comes to the passion, it just isn't there. It wasn't there. Why? What's the problem? Because throughout the disobedience, the desire for God remains intact. So it never dawned on me that there's more to my desire for God than just that. I needed to take that desire to a point of obedience. Otherwise, our desire will never make the leap of faith to obey God and true worship will be hindered. It'll die. The next thing I know, I was going to church looking for a revival. I don't know about you, but you know, there were times in my life when I come to church and I said, I hope the preaching today is good because I need a revival in my soul just like Ben just sang. Earlier today. But listen to me. I'm not against revivals or anything like that, okay? We, 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 do, we do believe in that. But Jesus says, I gave you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in charge of how you walk and talk and how you demonstrate your faith to God and to the world. So why is there going to be a need for the revival if we're listening to what the promptings of the Holy Spirit is? 
And so that's what, you know, I didn't know what the problem was. And Sunday in, Sunday out, when the preacher calls for an altar call, I'm right in front. You know, there's always that conviction. There's always that tugging. Good that it's there. But you know what? Got to move on from there and take that desire to a place of obedience. That's very important. It's true with all of Jesus' disciples. Let me just share this story with you in the book of Acts. Just, just a few short days before, the disciples of Jesus were all hiding in some upper room somewhere. And Jesus says, just stay in that upper room and I will send you the Holy Spirit. Okay? Why? Why did they need the Holy Spirit? Well, just a few days before, uh, they were with Jesus, and when Jesus was arrested, they all abandoned Jesus. You know, they all left him after, after Jesus has demonstrated to them without any uh, doubt that he is the Son of God, they still abandoned him, right? But then something happened. On the day of Pentecost, they received the Holy Spirit. And here's what happened when they received the Holy Spirit. It's right there in the, the first chapters of the book of Acts. They went out. And they started preaching the name of Jesus every place they could find. And they were not afraid of the people who crucified Jesus. The same people who crucified Jesus, now these disciples were looking at them in the eye and saying to them, this Jesus whom you crucified is now responsible for these great miracles that you're seeing. This Jesus whom you tortured on the cross is now responsible for the great preaching of the kingdom of God in this world. They were beaten, they were flogged, they were imprisoned, but they looked at him and they said to their persecutors, what is better, to obey you or to obey God? For we cannot help but to speak and declare the name of Jesus. That's what happened when desire, all the disciples had a desire for Jesus. They wouldn't have followed him for three and a half years. But what happens when the Spirit of God comes, that desire will not be placed in a, in a, in a place of obedience. That's the big difference. You can see the passion in their, in their lives. And on one day, they proclaimed the name of Jesus. Thousands of people came to the Lord. We must take our desire for God to a level of passionate worship. And it can only come through obedience to the word of Christ. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. What's your passion in life? Passion always transcends desire. It's one thing to say, I desire the game of basketball. It's another to say, I'm passionate about basketball. Obedience proves not our desire for God, but our passion for God. Desire has many pursuits. What do you desire the most about your wife? What do you desire the most about your husband? <laughs> what do you desire the most about your job? What do you desire the most about the place where you live? What do you desire about that person you love? Again, it could be your wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Do you desire uh, her beauty? Do you desire his looks? Do you desire his kindness, her kindness? Or do you desire just the wealth if he or she has any? The point is desires 
pursues many things. But to love someone is to be passionate for that someone. We often do the same thing for the Lord. Desire for God usually means there's something that we want or need from God. I'm preaching to you this morning. <laughs> we do things to please God because deep inside, uh, we desire something from Him. So our desire for God is really just for our own benefit. But that's not true worship. Desiring God is not true worship. Obeying God is true worship. Because worship is for God's benefit. Worship is being passionate for the ways of God. Let me say that again. Worship is being passionate for the ways of God. But here's what we do sometimes. Sometimes we say that worship is geared towards the wonder of God. Now, we all agree that God is wonderful. We all agree that God is amazing. We all agree that God is powerful. But passion for God is the pursuit of the ways of God. There's a big difference between worshiping God because He's a wonderful God and worshiping God because of His ways. And His ways are higher than ours, so it's good for us to obey His ways. Psalm 119 verse 14 says, I rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches. Have you ever said to yourself, I am happy because I get to obey God's commandments? How many of us actually say that? I know I didn't for the longest time in my life because, you know, it seems like that's not the appropriate thing to do. No, we, we worship God for the wonder of His name. Absolutely, we do. But you know what the Bible says? As David says, I delight or I rejoice in following your ways, following your statutes. When was the last time you sang a song that projects obedience to the commandments of God? Some of you are songwriters in our church. When was the last time you wrote a song, not just about the wonder of God, but about the obedience to the Word of God? How many of you have written a song about, thou shalt not commit adultery? That could be a catchy tune, right? Don't look. When was the last time you, you, you glory and you had tears in your eyes because you sang about not looking at a woman with lust in your eyes? Now we chuckle about these things, but listen. Worship is being passionate about the ways of God, not just the wonder of God. I could sing of the love of God forever. In fact, we sing that all the time in this church. I would sing of your love forever. How about singing the other one? I will not lie forever. Catchy enough for you. No, we often sing about his wonder, and rightfully so. 
and many of our contemporary expressions of worship, whether in song or activity, is geared towards benefiting us. How about writing songs or singing songs about the ways of God, about obeying God?